The Old Testament reading for this fourth and final Advent Sunday is from the prophet Jeremiah chapter 23. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. He rends the Old Testament. The epistle reading is recorded in Romans chapter 1, beginning the first verse, where the Apostle Paul reminds us of the importance of Joseph. Without Joseph, without Mary's true husband, Jesus could in no way ever claim to be the son of David. Joseph believes the angelic message to him, and so the child, although not his by human birth, is his by adoption. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his sake we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Here ends the epistle. We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 1, beginning the 18th verse. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was betrothed to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Here ends the Holy Gospel. Well, this may be challenging, but I think row two can just come on right up. Or part of, of row one, if they want. Or not. All you other guys are going to be like sheep. Find your way through, sheep. Here we come. Probably all of you take a trip in the summertime, vacation trip, right? Some sort of trip. Have you ever said to your dad or mom who is driving, when you're going on your trip and you've been sitting in your car for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, have you ever said to mom or dad, are we there yet? Ever said that? Oh, yeah. Uh, those people have said the same thing, too. Now, are we there yet? Has to do with Christmas. The fact that we've got four Advent candles lit, what does that tell you? Are we near? Really close. Do we know where we're going? Ah. Uh, I have in my hand something that's maybe a collector's item someday. It's an actual official map of the state of Michigan. How about that? No phone app. This is a real map, not app. Yeah, yeah that's right. A map is to tell you where you are going and how to get there. If you're going to Detroit from Grand Rapids, would you go way up north and then way back down south? No. Because the map tells you how to get to Detroit. You just get on old I-96 and go right into town. It's easy. But if you get off the route, you can be in big trouble because you'll get lost in Michigan, right? Have your parents ever got lost? They won't tell you. The Bible is like the road map. It tells you where you're going, which is finally to heaven itself, and how you get there, the Bible also tells you. Only it's not a matter of a road. At one point, Jesus said, I am the way, which really means road, highway. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But we'd only know that from the Bible, which is better than a road map. Besides, notice what happens with a road map. 
it got all folded up all wrong, right? This you can mess up with, but never God's word. So we're close. God's word points us finally to Jesus, and that's the celebration next Sunday. It will be Christmas Day, but also Christmas Sunday. How's that? Okay, now you can go back. Sheep, you're really good. You got here on your own without getting lost. Now you see we've got to the good stuff. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. If we're honest with ourselves, the big event of, East, of Christmas really should be Easter. But the big event on Christmas sometimes isn't very spiritual. It has to do with what? Presents. Packages. If you have a Christmas celebration at your home and there aren't any presents, you watch and see how not just the kids, but even some of the grown-ups react. They'll be upset. They want presents, right? Right? All agree. Because that's what God is actually talking about with the coming of Christ. But to help us truly understand what the gift is, Jeremiah, of all people, in the Old Testament, leads us to understand what's happening. When Jesus comes, if you look at what's going on, if you could have been there on Christmas night or even Christmas day, you would have been bitterly disappointed. All you would have seen is darkness, rank, grinding, poverty, a baby born in a stable with stench, nothing's clean, there is no glory. Only the shepherds out in the fields of all things heard the angelic choirs, but there's no recognition that in Bethlehem they heard anything. Just darkness, just dirt, just stench. That doesn't look like anything. So to understand what's going on, you have to look at Scripture to know what's really happening. And Jeremiah in our text this morning is telling us that there are two gifts for Christmas. Please notice there are two, and you must have both of them. When my poor children were growing up, we had this special Christmas game that would happen. We would observe the 12 days of Christmas. Ah, uh, Middle Road, does that sound like fun? 12 days of Christmas, a present every day, 12 gifts, and if there's anything left over, they got to open them on 12th night, on Epiphany, January 6th. Does that sound great? Yeah, but it wasn't that great at our house. Because <laughs> sometimes we didn't have quite enough presents. So this is what happened. One box might have some sort of powered little car or toy. It needs power. But they'd open it up and no batteries. So they'd get something and they couldn't play with it quite yet. So they were excited that maybe 
the next day they might run across the box that's got the batteries in it. But that was no guarantee because some toys took double A, some toys took nine volt. Christmas was kind of in a, a hodgepodge at times. For Becky, one time, got a dolly. A naked dolly. No clothes, no booties, no nothing, just a naked dolly. But somewhere in the midst of all those presents was doll clothes. Or we could do it the exact opposite. You get doll clothes and no dolly. Aaron and Andy sometimes got a toy truck or a car with no wheels. <laughs> Somewhere in those packages were wheels. Worse still is if it was backwards and you got wheels but no car. I tell you this because the two presents that Jeremiah talks about have to go together. If you only get one, you will be bitterly disappointed. And in fact, you may be in spiritual trouble if you think that's all that there is. Jeremiah wrote when everything had fallen apart. The whole country of Judah had bottomed out. The enemy was on the way and nothing was going to stop them. Jeremiah would witness the complete destruction of that little country and the king being hauled out, his eyes gouged out and a brass ring put in his nose as though he was some sort of piggy being led off to slaughter. Jeremiah would see these things. There was no earthly gift that could possibly be given to them because every earthly blessing that they loved so much was going to be ruthlessly torn from their grasp they would end up with nothing. Horrible binding. Horrible slavery. A kind of poverty worse than even Jesus knew at the night of his birth. Even thousands of them would be hauled off as abject slaves in Babylon. And this would happen and exist for 70 years. But Jeremiah says the days are coming when I will raise up for David a righteous, it says branch, but forget your notion of a tree. The term here in Hebrew is referring to a stump that has been completely cut off as low as possible. That's a picture of Judah. But out of that stump would come a little sucker root. Ugly. Not very beautiful at all. In fact, in that part of the world, when you cut a tree off and you started having sucker shoots coming up from the root, they'd snap them off also. But the promised Messiah will be seemingly as impressive as a sucker shoot that's coming off from a stump that's been summarily cut off. But with that stump, there's life. I will raise up a sucker shoot for David. And what will he be? You wouldn't think by that picture he'd be anything at all, but Jeremiah says he will be reigning as king, and that king will be unlike any of the kings they've had up to this point, which were all horrid, terrible, corrupt. We in our day and age say things once in a while like, drain the swamp. 
get rid of the bums, throw them all out. They had worse times in their days. But this king, we're told, is going to deal in wisdom, that is, in heavenly wisdom. The two gifts don't come across very clear in English, so I have to explain them, but there are two of them, and they do go together, and you better have one and the other, or you're going to be in worse shape than you were before. It says, and he shall carry out justice, emeth in Hebrew, that means if there has been a sin, there will be a payment for sin. Nobody's going to be off the hook. Judgment, payment for sin. But also righteousness, tzedek, the perfect righteousness of God with nothing wrong. And this king will carry out justice and righteousness in the land, or it can also be translated on the earth for all. When you think of Jesus coming into this world, these two gifts, justice will finally take place at the cross. Hence, throughout this Advent season, we've had that red ribbon behind, which reminds us of the bloody sacrifice on the cross, which is the only thing that can take away sin. You can't take away your own sin. Your New Year's Eve resolutions that you give can't take away sin. Only Christ can. Now if that's all you open up, I'm going to warn you, you're really in trouble. You're like the naked dolly. You're like the car with no wheels. You're like the toy with no batteries. If you think Jesus only came into this world to carry out justice on the cross and to take away your sins, that only brings you up to zero. Indeed, there's nothing against you. But in what sense are you good enough to enter the heavenly kingdom? If all you trust in is Jesus' death at the cross, you're still a big zero. You're a big nothing. And you will be tempted at that point if you only open that one present to think, now, what do I have to do to enter into eternal life? Remember the story of the jailer at Philippi who almost took his life because he thought that since the jail doors were open and Paul and Silas probably were going to escape and that he was responsible for their lives, he was going to take his life. That's how he thought he'd handle the situation. Paul calls out, don't hurt yourself, we're all here. The man rushes in and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's asking the righteousness question. Do you remember Paul's answer? Believe. What? In what you can do? In your accomplishments? In your decision that you're going to be living for Jesus? That you're going to be keeping the Ten Commandments? That you're going to be righteous and keep the law? No, there's none of it. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. This brings up the second gift. The two go together. If you don't know the second gift, you will be tempted to think there's something I've got to do. 
You'll have faith in Jesus' atonement and then have faith in yourself, in what you can accomplish in righteousness. That, by the way, will take you out of the realm of zero and send you into the depths of hell again. You need both of them together, just like batteries and a toy. And it's the second part that is actually a Christmas secret for many people. Many Christians can get the cross part right, but forget the second gift. The ascetic, the righteousness of God. Notice Jesus' title. And this is the name or title by which he will be called. He will be called the Lord, and that's referring to Yahweh. He is true God. The Lord, our righteousness. He comes not only to pay for sin, but also to fulfill the entire law of God from beginning to end, every single point of it, never any failures, holy from the moment he's born until the moment he dies. He is absolutely righteous, ascetic, and that's ours. That's the second necessary gift. It saves us from any notions of meriting or working our way to righteousness. It's Christ's second great gift to us. Both gifts are necessary for us to open continually all through life. That alone sets us free from our sins. And then we can begin to do a life that's joyful and thankful in return. We're not frantically looking for the wheels or the batteries or something else. We know everything is fine between ourselves and God based on one thing. Faith in the atonement and the perfect righteousness of your Savior who was born in Bethlehem. That's the double Christmas present. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.